Welcome. Welcome to the open source GNU Linux movement. In this podcast, we are going to discuss the advantages of open source over, I guess you could call, closed source. And um, this podcast, this current podcast right now, is really just an introduction and is not what most of our podcast will be like. We're just going to go over the basic principles of open source. We're going to discuss um, the workings of Ubuntu, which is actually very specifically... Uh, it's an operating system that is open source, and we specifically are concentrating on it and enforcing it. We want people to get Ubuntu instead of XP or Vista. So that's basically what we're going to do. Throughout the other podcasts, however, we're going to have a consistent format that's easy to follow and highly organized. So this is just merely an introduction to what we're going to be doing throughout however long this podcast goes, pretty much. All right, so sit back, relax, and you have about a 30-minute introduction on open source. We're going to start with discussing the good things about Ubuntu Linux over Windows XP and Windows Vista, and therefore any other Windows operating system. So here at the open source movement, we focus on three main factors of Ubuntu that makes it better than Microsoft or Apple operating systems. First of all, it's faster. It's faster, you're right. And, and it's else? quite much easier. All right, and it's also more secure. That means that there's nobody who's going to attack you. I'm just yeah. kidding. That's not what it really means. So let's go over these. Uh, Nick, you read the first one. Or okay. just, you, you talk about why it's faster. Because really, this is very important. People nowadays in the world need fast things. And you know, don't you think? Oh, yes. Ah. It's, a very, it's a very common need among the citizens these and days. People think that they're getting all they can with these Windows operating systems. And we're also talking about Vista when we talk about Windows operating systems. People are saying Vista is so good, but it's nothing compared to Linux. No, it's not. So we're going, we're going to go over the reasons right now. And first of all, first in front of everything – Linux is free. Ubuntu oh, Linux is free. It's free. And if, if you pay to buy it, you'll be being ripped off because it's yeah. free software. All right. Now, Nick, discuss – tell us why it's – or tell them, I guess, because I, I really already know because it's right in front of me. But you tell them why it's faster. Okay. Here we go. Or let's just discuss why it's, why it's faster. Right. Let's – Discuss this. That's what podcasts are. Yes, that's right. Oh, okay. So why don't you start, and I'll add on. The basic statement is that Ubuntu is faster than XP or Vista, and therefore it's faster than 2,098 and 95. Oh, yes. So um, what really happens is Ubuntu utilizes less RAM, and – one one thing that, that Windows users have a lot of problems with is when they start up their computer and they log on and they realize that it's taking 15 minutes to, to just start because you, it's loading your desktop and it's loading all of these startup applications like bringing up the weather bug or loading your virus software. But Ubuntu doesn't do this. 
Now, what exactly does it do, Nick, in, 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 instead of doing this? Well, at first, when you turn on your computer, it presents you with a nice progress bar showing you when exactly it will load up and show you the login screen. And once that is done, it shows you the login screen and you log in with your password and things. And as soon as you click log on, it comes up a nice little logo and a nice little song it plays you. And then your desktop's there, you know, in a matter of, you know, 15 to 30 seconds. And you're like, and you're just sitting there waiting for something to pop up like it does on Windows when it slows down your computer then. And you can just sit there. Nothing will happen because it's ready. As soon as your icons come up, it's ready. It's ready hmm. to use. Now, I'd say that that is better than Windows XP because it is a, it is a fascinating concept. It really just doesn't have – it doesn't have startup applications. Is that is that what you're – is that – the answer, Nick? Well, no, it it has the startup, but it's much less than XP. So it, it does have startup applications, but it's much less, and you can have your desktop loaded and everything ready to go in under 30 seconds, while some XP and Vista users will have to wait up till what? I mean, I've had to wait 15 minutes on mine, you know? Oh, really? Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah, well, it's commonly it's commonly more than two minutes, which doesn't really sound like a lot when you talk about it, but... When you're sitting there for two minutes watching things pop up, waiting for you to get your work done and things, really drags on. Now, one of the reasons why Ubuntu uses less RAM is is pretty much or, – or actually, the reason why it uses – yeah, is pretty much because uh, Ubuntu is built a lot simpler, and it's a lot easier – a lot more logical than Windows. For example, Windows – Windows – to turn off the computer and end your session, you go to the start bar. Isn't that silly? Yes, it is. Because what? why would you start to stop your oh, yeah. session? That's really true. And Ubuntu is logical and it's simple. And by being simple and to the point, it doesn't need to, um, you know, it doesn't need to use up as much more memory. Right. Now, 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 let's talk about why it's easier. Why it's easier? It's not, and and the the reason why it's it's easier is like when we talk about switching operating systems and, and we're saying how it's how it's a lot simpler and stuff. This doesn't mean that it's going to be hard for a. It's going to be like basic down to the point computer, and it's going to be hard for the average person to understand, right? Oh no, it's not actually. Anybody can use Ubuntu with the first boot. Actually, actually, our main point in why it's easier. Is that it's more organized? It has a more organized user interface, which is what you use to, like your your desktop, your visual, the, what you think of as the operating systems and the programs. It's right. it's more organized, and it's logical, and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when when you turn on your computer and things, and when your desktop loads up after you log in. You'll see at the top of the screen, you'll see the taskbar, or the GNOME panel, as they call it. And you'll see three main menus, the Applications menu, the Places menu, and the System menu. And then all the way in the other corner will be the Clock and Calendar and the Power Switch, which will allow you to change your sessions, such as logging off, restarting, and shutting down your computer. So, so the System menu probably regulates system settings. Oh yes, the system menu when you bring it down gives you two main main menus again with the preferences and the administration, and those let you. It's like uh, if you're on Windows, it would be like the control panel. 
Okay, so that's very simple. You don't need to go open up my computer and take the shortcut or go into the start menu and go into the settings. You just simply drop down the menu. Yep. Menu on the desktop. It's right there. And it's the system menu, which makes complete sense because it's system settings. Now, yeah, I'm guessing the application menu will, will, when you have a, a program window open, will that, uh, that will be like the file and edit portions no, or? That, that comes up in just the normal window, like Windows would. And the application, when you drop it down, it gives you just like it would be, uh, well, it sorts it into categories, like accessories, games, internet, and things. And then when that drops down, then you click your actual application. Oh, yeah, so the, the application menu gives you a list of your programs to open. Right, and the right. taskbar on top always stays there. It's always on top, and it always stays always there. there. You can always see your taskbar, which is very simple. It has the, it has the system stuff, and it has the uh, application stuff for your for your. It, it's like your uh, when you open up your start menu, you have to do the start menu in Windows, and you have to go to all programs. Right. But this time it's already on your desktop. It's right there. There is no start menu. There's an applications menu. Just now, one click. Yeah, just one click. Now, what is the what is the other menu? The places menu. Uh, well, that one it's sort of like um, well your Windows Explorer would be, and it gives you your home folder, which is like your normal just where you put it's your personal folder really, and then you can go into your documents, music, pictures, video. And things like that, and it'll give you. And if you're on a network, it'll give you all those things. So then, yeah. So that's right there. You so, don't have to. Yeah. Okay. So the places menu kind of is like your Windows Explorer, where you would go through your documents, and right. I'm, and can you access your your hardware from there too? Right. Yes. And you can also go into your actual the hard drive you're on, and you can explore the file system and the computer. And the computer will give you uh, sort of like a My Computer interface with Windows. It'll be just like My Computer, but it's on a menu. There's no extra start menu to go into. It's right there on your desktop. Your desktop acts like the center of the computer. Which is what it was probably originally designed to be anyway. Yes, by Macintosh, who were the original computers, computer makers. Then Windows came in and blew everything up. Right. So that – yes, and then – and then Linux falls between Linux, by the way, is the perfect mix between Macintosh and Windows. Right. So if you're if you're like that. Yes. So those are the reasons why it's easier. So we got faster, easier. We've supported all of that. Mm-hmm. But now how in the poop could it be more secure? Well, since um Ubuntu is built on the Linux kernel which is in turn built on the GNU and Unix systems, which are, well, they're lesser used, see. So right there, the lesser used operating system bases will, you know, you can sort of imply that no one will be writing viruses as much since hardly anyone's using them. Now, if you look at the market share, and this, this is important, because if you look at the market share, and it's sort of disappointing if you ask me, but Windows or Microsoft has over, you know, it's like 90% of the market share. Wow. And now, I suppose if you were a virus maker, would you go with the 90%? Like, could, you would go with the 90% instead of, you know, like the 5% that would be, you know, uh, Macintosh or the other 5 that would be Linux. 
Okay. So, so that, that's, but that's just one reason. Now, Unix, which is the base, or GNU is really is what it is, and I suppose. Well, th- they're based on each other, however, but um, the GNU system is a lot harder to code things like that, and, um, you know, people would rather take the easy way and code everything for Windows users. Yeah, so now that Microsoft has everybody trapped using cheap Windows stuff, that is obviously the easiest target because there's a lot more users for Windows. So there's a lot more viruses being created for Windows because there's right. crazy people out there. And now Ubuntu is very – like it, not very many people have it. So there's not many viruses out for it right now. But then you would think, well, what if what if we – what if everybody converts all of a sudden to, to Ubuntu? But um, um, <laughs> well, and you know, then you're still gonna have you're still gonna have the secure GNU see- base. Oh yes. Oh. And well, you know, it just like because any computing system, it's going. There's people going to make viruses for it. That's just sort of you know you can't really get around that. But even if anybody convert, even if everybody converts to uh, Ubuntu, like I was gonna say, I just kind of forgot what I was gonna. Say, but the uh, code the code is a lot harder to break the hack, right? Just like Macintosh, for bad things anyway. Yeah, right. So that's why it's more secure, and so we just gave you great evidence on why it's faster, why it's easier, and why it's more secure. So uh, what else should we talk about? What else can we tell our people today for our first podcast? Well, first of all, we have a blog up on the internet. If you go yeah. to uh, this, well, it'll be it'll be in your podcast description for those of you people using iTunes because okay. you know it's usually hard to dictate it out, and it, that's where our feed's going to be hosted. For those of you not doing that, it's uh, uh the address is osglmovement.blogspot.com. And that's our yeah. OSGL stands for the Open Source and GNU slash Linux Movement. Another thing we want to talk about is Mozilla Firefox, which is the main internet browser for Ubuntu Linux. And now most of you are probably Windows users, and so you use Internet Explorer 7. But you are using probably the worst internet browser available to the public. Now right. There are, I guess, about two reasons why Firefox is better than than Internet Explorer 7. First of all, it's easier, and second of all, it's more secure. Those are really important things. All right, so, Nick, why is it – let's get to the more important one. Not not really more important, actually, but why is it more secure? Well – Mozilla Firefox has all these, you know, security add-ons that it has, and it'll, like, for one, there's a phishing protection add-on. You know what phishing with a PH means when, um, that you know, hackers, hackers, um, you know, send you an email and they say, like, say it was an email from eBay, or it was, you know, it wasn't from eBay, but they're pretending to be eBay, and they said. Your account has been suspended or something, and you need to enter your credit card number. So then they'll take you to their website, and then you'll enter it there. Yeah, so their so, fishers are fishing with a PH. 
is a term that means people on the internet trying to lure you to give them their information. They'll use your, their credit card number to buy things in other countries. Okay, so trying to take your information away from you. Now, why does right. that? Okay. So clearly, that you know that's bad if you if you get tricked into giving away all your information to some you know evil guy. So on Firefox, when you're using Firefox and uh, when you click on the link in the you know spoof email and it'll take you to the man's website, uh, a little balloon will come up. And it'll say suspected web forgery, and then it'll go on saying uh, this page has been reported as being like a scam, and they're trying to get your financial information and things, and it'll come up, and then it'll give you the option to just uh, leave the site, or you know, I guess you could ignore the warning if you. So pretty much, pretty much, Firefox takes a poll on on like people can send reports saying that certain right. certain uh, sites or certain. Email addresses or certain servers are bad, right. and then they'll tell you if if they've been reported as bad, and you can make your decision from there. Now, another thing is that, of course, it's open source, and that it has a whole development process with you know thousands of people that are all experienced developers and experts on internet security and things, and they there's a whole community called the Mozilla organization, and they're all building and designing all new software for people. Mm-hmm. And since it's open source and a lot of people can work on it, it's a lot better than just having one company or one set of developers working on it. Yeah. With the open source. I see. Um all right, now why 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 exactly actually, you know, Firefox is easier in a lot of ways, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot simpler. Actually, it's pretty much the same reasons why Ubuntu is easier. It's just yeah. simpler. It's a it's a better layout, and it has great tab browsing, which you would also think that Internet Explorer also has. But Internet Explorer copied that from Firefox. Firefox actually was Firefox the originals the original tab browsing browser. Um. Yeah, well, I'm sure they were one of the first, if anything. Yeah. And they certainly perfected it if they didn't create it. Yeah, it's it's a really convenient tab browsing system. Now, what a tab is, it opens... Now, I guess you could argue that it's the same thing as opening new windows and putting them down on your taskbar. Oh, but really, it's much easier. But it keeps it in one place. It keeps it in one place on your taskbar in one little window. And then along along the bar at the top of your screen in Firefox... There's these tabs, and you can click on them, and it'll switch to the window. Then it doesn't even it doesn't need to load so up can, or anything. So you can run multiple web searches on Firefox, and you can and you can switch between the tabs to look at all of your web search results and everything that you're doing online at the moment. Right. It's really convenient because if let's say you're researching something for school on Wikipedia, and then you find a word you don't know what it means, you can open up a dictionary.com tab. And search the word. And you can always have that dictionary.com tab open in case you want to search the word again. Search the word again. So that's really, really convenient. And being convenient makes it easier to use. Yeah, but and, the convenient, and the convenient thing is, uh, you know, this happens to everyone. I assume when you're an Internet Explorer, right, and you're on Wikipedia and you want to look up a word, and then you go and click it, and you, you don't realize it, but it opens it in the same window and it takes off the other page that you're at. And then you go... And navigate until it fills up your whole back button history, 
and you can't go all the way back to where you were, and then you have to go manually uh, type uh, it yeah. in. So, yeah. So, Firefox automatically opens every new window in tabs. Yes, which is, yeah, very, very, very convenient. Right. Now, is there anything else we need to say about the overall, back to the overall movement of the the open source movement? Is there anything else we needed to say about Ubuntu or Firefox? Well, I just wanted to explain um, how to get Ubuntu, for those of you who don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, well, hold on. Once again, it's... Okay. <laughs> well, it's mainly based on what's called a live CD, and a live CD allows you 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 burn it onto a CD when you, when you download it, you burn it onto a disc, and then you put it in, and then turn on your computer. And so you're gonna wait. Oh, so from here, let's get this straight. You're on Ubuntu's website, and you mm-hmm. download it onto a disc. Right. Onto you a burn CD. it on. You download it on your computer, and you burn. The download onto a disc. Very right. simple. And, and if you don't feel like, if you don't, uh, if you don't know how to burn, or you don't like doing that sort of thing, or you don't even have a burner, you can get free CDs. They'll actually send you free shipping, free everything. They'll send you free CDs of Ubuntu if you go. And it's called the Ship It program that they have, and, and that's also and, on their website. It's on their site. Okay, so and that'll also give you a live CD. Yeah. All right. Okay, so. so so what a live CD, it, it enables you to run the operating system uh, for the first time if you're just trying it out. It'll allow you to run it uh, without changing your computer at all. It, it just runs straight from the CD. So it's almost like a demo. Once you have the live CD, which is the downloaded file from the Ubuntu website, you can put it into any computer and run it off the disk. Now, right. don't confuse yourself because when you run it off of a, off of the live cd without installing it on your uh, on your computer it's going to seem slow because you're running it off of a disk okay right. so this is just it's just a sample of the interface pretty much the interface yeah. the user yeah. interface you, you you can't really save anything because it it's yeah it it's main purpose of it is just to show you how it works and <laughs> you know it it'll just show you what kind of things are on it before you install it right and then now, if you go and you like it so much, which you probably would if you worked on it just you know for a couple minutes and just uh, messed around with it and found out everything good about it, you can install it on your hard drive. And then um, when you turn on your computer, it'll give you a nice little menu, and it'll say you can boot uh, Windows or Macintosh or whatever you have, or you can boot Ubuntu. And then you boot it up and you run it, and you'll you'll notice it's a lot faster without <laughs> without running it off the CD, obviously. And then yep. there you go. You have you have Ubuntu, you have Linux on your computer, and you can start an easier, better life of computing. Okay, now installation is that that's more of a com. It's this is installing an operating system. Now, on on the disk, it gives you the option to install the operating system. But uh, Nick, you told me that this is a pretty complex process. Now it can be complex unless you um you. Well, they have really simple tutorials on their website, and that's Ubuntu.com. Maybe we'll even put a link on our site. Yeah, we'll, we'll put the link to Actually, it. Actually, let, let's put a link to Ubuntu.com and to our and to their tutorials on our site. Right, we will. Uh, not now. We're doing a podcast. but <laughs> I know. Um, you know, and then 
the tutorial it's really simple if you if someone's actually helping you with it it's it's uh it's real simple but if you're doing it yourself and the only real um the only real problem with it is is you need to set off a separate section on your hard drive for it and you know that can be you can easily ruin your hard drive if you're doing it by yourself and you're inexperienced with computers so that's what the tutorial is so when you inst- when you install ubuntu you're you're running your operating system that you had before mm-hmm. macintosh or or windows and mm-hmm. then you're also parallel to that running ubuntu yeah. So when you start your computer, you can select either one. I want to I want to use XP or I want to use Ubuntu. It won't slow down your computer. Won't do anything to your computer. Right. And now also, you know, if you want to completely switch to Ubuntu, you can also do that. You can un- uninstall XP or Macintosh, or or you can buy a blank computer. <laughs> right. But we we don't recommend that if you're a first time user and you're yeah. using it to do it. Yeah. But overall, we sure. want everybody to end up switching yeah. to because it really is a better option. Oh, wow. It's my phone. That's a real phone. Yes. Real. Now, what were you saying? Real, real phones are for closed source people. Oh. oh. Now, what were you saying? Oh, your phone distracted me. Huh. Oh. Oh, no, yeah, we certainly, uh, um, you know, recommend eventually using uh, Ubuntu for your main operating system but we don't recommend, you know, getting rid of Windows as soon as you install it just because you never know what could happen, and that, that's just computing. Another important thing that some people – this may be the main problem on why they don't want to completely switch to Ubuntu is it is will, – will it cut you off from the mainstream Windows world? Like how compatible is Ubuntu with, with Windows? And uh, here at the OSGL movement, we're just going to come right out and say it that Ubuntu really isn't compatible with Windows XP. And that's just because it's a different operating system. It's just like how Windows isn't really compatible with Macintosh. And that's why we're really not suggesting you get rid of Windows as soon as you get this. Now, mind you, there is, for every good program on Windows or Macintosh, you can get an open source free one that's usually as good or better than the you know, the one that you have to pay for. So does this mean that you can run a Microsoft Word on the Ubuntu operating system? Now, you can't run Microsoft Office, but there's a great substitute called OpenOffice.org. And you can also get that for Windows. Right, you can get, yeah, if you like that sort of thing. But now, this is the, this is compatible with Windows in that you can save, when you write your documents, you can save them as .doc files. And, you know, and that's the file format compatible with Microsoft Office. And that, that's important because when you have important, you know, documents for your work or whatever, you need to be able to give it to people that use Microsoft so they can read it. And that's – so when you can save it as a doc file and you can transfer that and all your formatting and fonts will all stay the same. And so that, that those are both really compatible so- with each other, even the interfaces almost the same and it it has even added features that'll make it better. So Ubuntu is just as compatible with Windows as Macintosh is, right? 
Yeah, but that's not really saying anything. But but still, a large portion of the world uses Macintosh computers, and, and look, we're all doing fine. So you can see it's not that big of a problem. If you need to transfer Windows files, you can always do what Nick said. You can you can transfer your Word files to an open office, which you can open in Ubuntu, right? Right. And and, now, and there's all kinds of programs like that that you can that you can do, and it's an easy switch. Right now, all your picture files, like if you have vacation pictures or whatever people have, or you have all your favorite music, that's all completely yeah, compatible. Yeah, because they're all they're all JPEGs, which is kind of universal. yeah, and those those are or universal bitmaps. Right. Yeah, so now the, the only thing that really is like the actual Windows programs, .exe files are really um now there is one, so, there's one it's it's called wine, which um you know, it's an acronym for something that escapes me now, but it's it's a Windows program emulator. And what it does is it runs your .exe files through that on Ubuntu and to some extent it'll run your program. <laughs> But I'm sure, you know, there's hardworking developers on it, and, you know, I'm sure they're making it really well and good. But right slow. now, honestly, it's slow, and it's not really compatible with that many programs anyway. So really, what's, really what you're saying is that Windows – or actually, wait, say, say, say what you're going to say because that might add on. Yeah, well, and still, what I – when I said before, you need to emphasize that all all programs on Windows, um, I'm sure, have an alternative open source form that you can use on any operating system. So and that that's big. So also, really, like all the files, like most of your files, probably most of your files are are compatible, like J, like. Pictures and MP3s, you know, all your audio files. But mm -hmm. what isn't compatible is is the really specific stuff, like for specific programs that are running on 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 Windows, like HP Photo Editor and stuff. Yeah, but then like like specific applications that are running on your Windows computer that are Windows, right? That are Windows programs. But most of your files actually will be compatible, right? All right, so is there anything else we need to cover on this discussion of our introduction for our open source movement? <clears throat> no, I think that's it. And um, if um, if you're really interested in this, if anyone's actually listening, if you're, if you're getting interested and you want to escape Windows because you think it's slow and buggy like it actually is, um, it would do you well to, um, if you haven't already, touch up on computer terms and things because we'll be using them a lot. And it really helps to know exactly what we're talking about. And computing, everything is exact because if you only know, like, something about it instead of the whole thing, you can easily screw things up. Yeah, but we'll we'll try to define as much as we can. Yeah. But uh, remember, throughout, the following, throughout the following podcast, we'll be just discussing very detailed things very very detailed things about about why ubuntu is better than windows and well i mean we're going to go all over the spectrum on why generally open source is better and right. we're, we're, we're going to get into the very details of everything throughout every yeah. episode and even all the podcasts aren't going to be like this just telling you facts and reasons why it's better we're going to go into 
you know, news stories about it, and we're going to tell you, like, if you're already using Ubuntu, you can use this podcast for a source of Ubuntu news, Linux news, open source news in general, really, and, um, you know, new releases and good features that we want to talk about and, you know, highlight and things. All right. Well, that'll finish us up for uh, episode one of the Open Source GNU Linux Movement podcast. Let's just stick the date on here. What's the date? Well, the date is Sunday, November 11th. That's the 11th? Okay. Yes, happy Veterans Day to all you veterans. All right. All right, so we'll see you you next time on this podcast. And I will start editing it. (laughs) Yeah, that'll probably be good. So goodbye, all. Bye, all.